Good morning, the afternoon, or evening, wherever or whenever you are, ladies and gentlemen. This is Sports Crutch with D. Crom. I'm your host, David Cromolo. And the 2020 NFL Draft is just one week from tonight. And this draft will probably be unlike any other we will ever witness for the rest of our lives. Not only will this draft be done in a completely virtual setting, it promises to be one of the most unpredictable drafts in quite some time, given the COVID-19 pandemic and the struggle to obtain reliable information because of it. Anyway, tonight we put a bow on our 2020 Dash of the Draft positional preview series with a look at the defensive line edge rusher class. And it's a pleasure to welcome back our friend Jacob Infante of the Draft Wire and Windy City Gridiron to help us break down these prospects. How are you doing, Jacob? Hey, David. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to uh, dig into some draft coverage here as we get uh, about a week away now. I'm excited to see how this turns out. Oh, I'm excited as well. It's going to be one unpredictable roller coaster ride next Thursday night and Friday and Saturday as well. But let's start off with this edge class and let's start off with arguably the best prospect of this draft class, period, and that is Chase Young. And this past decade, we have seen pass rushers of Young's ilk get drafted high and go on to have very productive careers. Von Miller, Khalil Mack, the Bosa brothers, Miles Garrett, etc. How does he compare to those aforementioned players as a prospect, and would it surprise you if he ended up having the best career out of all of them? I will say that it definitely wouldn't surprise me if uh, Chase Young had the best career out of all those guys. Uh, If you look at just these past four drafts, you know, you're talking guys like Nick Bosa, Miles Garrett. You can even throw Joey Bosa in there. As far as the guys that I've watched out of college, I think that Chase Young is definitely, I, I don't know if I'd say definitely, but I'd say he's the best edge rusher that I've watched at the collegiate level. And granted, I haven't been watching for like 15 years or whatever, but I will say in recent years, in the past, you know, four or five classes or so, Chase Young, I think, is the best. I think that he's more athletic than either of the Boses. I think that he's more polished uh, than Miles Garrett was coming out of AM. I think that his size, his athleticism, uh, his ability to use his hands, uh, is, you know, he's a good run defender as well. I think that he's, you know, as well rounded of an edge defender as you can get in this league. I think that he's the type of guy who can step in immediately and make an impact. We're talking, you know, potentially nine, 10, 11 sacks in his rookie year. And then after that, who knows? I think he's the type of guy you can help, you know, build a defense around. He one of the franchise cornerstones for you. And I think that he's, you know, the best prospect in this draft. I don't think he's going to go number one because the Bengals need a quarterback and Joe Burrow's the best quarterback in this class. But I do think Chase Young is the best overall prospect in this class, and I think he's going to make an impact right away. Oh, absolutely. And barring uh, King's ransom to the Redskins, he doesn't get past the Redskins at two. Yeah, I don't expect the Redskins to pass on Chase Young. You know, Unless, like you said, there's uh, some sort of trade for a quarterback at two, which, you know, given Tua's medical condition, uh, and the little concerns over there, and you know, considering Justin Herbert's a good, maybe not great uh, prospect that I wouldn't trade up for with the second overall pick. I think Washington's going to stay put, and I think they're going to go Chase Young. As they should. He is a no-brainer for that team, and he will add to an already immensely talented defensive line there, potentially giving them uh, at least tied for the 49ers for the best uh, all-around defensive line in the league should that come to fruition next Thursday night, as expected. And there is quite a sizable drop-off after Chase Young as far as this edge class goes. 
the player widely expected to be the second edge off the board is LSU's Kalevon Chason. Chason is an extremely versatile player who is able to rush the quarterback from the edge and inside on sub packages, plus drop into coverage and cover running backs and tight ends as well. He is also an extremely freakish athlete. However, there was a similar prospect taken in the top 15 three years ago in Hassan Reddick, and he's pretty much been a bust thus far. Do you get Hassan Reddick vibes from Chason? Uh, not necessarily. I feel that uh, Chason is a bit more explosive as an edge rusher, not necessarily faster, but I think in his ability uh, to explode off the ball and convert speed to power, I think that he's definitely uh, better than Hassan Reddick in that regard, and I think he's well uh, proportioned in his frame, and he's better off to take uh, those type of blocks head on, whereas Hassan Reddick was kind of shoehorned into like an off-ball role with the Cardinals. Uh I can see some concern with Chase Sun because he he has shown some flashes uh, in how he uses his hands, his arsenal as a pass rusher. It's not quite developed yet. But I think the, the athleticism that he brings to the table, you know, the speed uh, off the snap, his you know bend ability to turn the corner and his ability to drop back in coverage, uh, I think that that's going to be very valuable. And I agree. I think he's... Uh, the second best edge rusher in this class, even if there's a drop off between him and Chase Young, I do think uh, Chasen's pretty safely uh, my edge number two. I-, I get some concern, but I honestly, I'd feel safe enough to take him in the top 15. I think that he's a talented prospect as it is, and with a little bit more refinement, I think he can be a star. Yeah, I think so, too. He looked very good. He was arguably the best defensive player for LSU at that uh, LSU-Alabama game last November. Yeah, and I think it's kind of uh, disappointing that we didn't get to see him at the combine because I've seen reports uh, and watching off of my own tape, I think he would have you know, absolutely destroyed it at the combine. You don't know necessarily uh, how his 40-yard dash would have turned out. I think he would have run you know, easily in the four fives there, and who knows what his uh, vertical and broad jump numbers would have been. I think that as it is, his stock is really good. But I think that if you were able to perform in the combine, uh, he could have potentially catapulted himself in the top 10 just because of, you know, seeing those numbers. I think that some GMs would take a chance on that, uh, whereas now they might not be so sure about that. Oh, absolutely. And uh, had he worked out at the combine, um, he definitely could have been that player that is all of a sudden getting top 10 buzzed. Like uh, C.J. Henderson absolutely tore the roof off at Indy, and now he's uh, being buzzed as high as to the Panthers at 7. So um, uh, if it wasn't for uh, C.J., uh, for Caleb Chase uh, not working out, if he did work out, he could have been that player in discussions at 7, uh, as high as 7, as opposed to uh, Chasen. I mean, as opposed to Henderson. Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely possible because uh, we take a look at the Panthers. You know, they lost uh, Mario Addison in free agency. They lost Julius Peppers uh, a couple of years ago. And they've got Brian Burns, who I think, you know, has potential to grow into even more than he already showed in his rookie year, which was pretty good as it is. Uh, but I do think they could add another edge rusher. And while I don't think Carolina is going to go down that route, I do think that Burns and Chasen would arguably be the most athletic uh, duo off the edge in the league. Just looking at how Brian Burns did at the combine uh, and how that athleticism translated to the field this year, I think Chasen could see similar results his rookie year. Oh, very, very good point. And on to another prospect here. In August, many, if not most people, were talking about Iowa defensive end A.J. Epinesa 
It's a top 10 pick. However, an uneven season plus below average testing at the combine, especially that 10-yard split, was a very alarming number. That could have potentially falling out of the first round altogether. Several believe his best chance at long-term success in the NFL is him putting on an additional 15 to 20 pounds and moving inside to three or five tech defensive tackle. Do you share that view? Uh, I mean, I think that he can definitely make it work. Uh, I personally place him at five tech as opposed to uh, three tech because I do think that, you know, he's shown enough bending ability, Not maybe not necessarily uh, the acceleration off the snap, but as, as far as his ability uh, to move around in space and sink his hips off the edge, I think that playing at a five tech would give him a little bit more uh, space to work that out. You know, going back to your point about, uh, Epinesa being a top 10 pick back in August. I personally thought he was kind of overrated uh, heading into the, you know, the beginning of the draft process right before this past season started. But now as I take a look at some players, you know, or some uh, analysts, excuse me, talking about him as a second round pick, I think he's kind of underrated. I think that yes, his combine was a bit disappointing, but we shouldn't have expected him to be good at the combine. That's not how he wins. He doesn't win his battles with speed or, you know, fantastic agility. Uh, he wins with power and he wins with refinement in his hands. And I admittedly think that the combine uh, is a bit of a handicap to guys who win like that. Uh, other guys like Bradley and I or something like that with those type of skill sets where they don't necessarily win with athleticism. The combine uh, doesn't necessarily play to their strengths. So I think Epinesa is still... Uh, a late first round pick, in my opinion, at least a late first round value. I I don't think he was, you know, going to be the top pick that some expected him to be early on in the year. But I do think that he's a quality player. Uh, I think that uh, in a three four, I'd put him at five tech as a you know base end. But in a four three, I I feel confident putting him off the edge there. I think that he's still got you know pass rushing value off the edge, regardless of if his athleticism top-notch or not. I think that he can make it work uh, in either scheme. It's just a matter of how you want to use him. And a lot of people believe that he could make it work because of his uh, incredible strength. Isn't that the case? Yeah. Uh, Evanessa, I feel pretty confident in saying he's, you know, one of, if not the most uh, powerful edge rushers in this year's class. You take a look at some of the top guys, uh Outside of Young, you know, like Caleb Von Chasen, uh, Yader Grossmatos, Julian Okwara, Josh Uche, all those guys are athletic and they may not be necessarily super refined as a guy like Epinesa, who's got, you know, a powerful frame. When he engages with guys, he just pounces on them and he delivers a very uh, powerful pop at the point of attack. And he's shown that he can convert speed to power. And he can use his hands well to gain leverage and disengage from blocks. So I think that he offers a bit of a different skill set from a lot of the top edge rushers in this class. Uh, and if there's a team, you know, potentially like the Patriots who see that as a scheme fit for them, I could see uh, them going for Epinesa over someone who's got maybe a bit more athletic upside. Oh, yes. Uh, many people believe he screams uh like a Bill Belichick pick uh, at 23. So uh, that's uh, the earliest spot to look out for Epinesa to go next uh, Thursday night. And let's talk about the defensive tackle class right now. And headed into the combine, most had Derek Brown as a top five pick. But there has been some buzz from many in the NFL and draft Twitter alike that Brown isn't that much of a pass rush threat and he could fall out of the top 10 because of that. 
Would you be comfortable using a top 10 pick on Derek Brown? Uh, to some, I don't know necessarily. I do think, I still think that Derek Brown is a top 10 value in this class as far as uh, where he lines up on my board. But, you know, I, I think that Derek Brown personally will fall out of the top 10 because he doesn't necessarily have that stellar, you know, pass rushing upside or athleticism. But I think that he still brings a lot to the table. I think that, you know, he uses his hands well. He can sink his hips well. And he's a, you know, a strong guy who's got a really big frame. So I don't think Derek Brown will end up going in the top 10. If he does, I could see him going to Carolina. But if he doesn't go there, uh, then I think he, you know, he could fall a little bit. Even Jacksonville, maybe, that I think that they might want to go with uh, some other, you know, needs that they have on their roster. I, I think Derek Brown will go somewhere in that 11 to 15 range, but I think that off of pure talent alone, he's a top, still a top 10 guy in this class. I think people are tending to overcomplicate things and freak out about his combine, which, yes, wasn't very good. But at the same time, I think tape wins overall, and his tape is, you know, I think arguably the best out of any defensive tackle in this class. Yeah, it's going to be a very fascinating storyline to see where Derrick Brown eventually ends up. That There are talks that he could go uh, at eight to Arizona, but if he slides past Arizona, he could fall um, uh, farther than a lot of people expect. But whoever gets him is going to get tremendous, tremendous value. And uh, another top defensive tackle of this class is Javon Kinlaw of South Carolina, and he is clearly one of the most inspiring stories in this draft. Grew up homeless and began his college career at the JUCO level before transferring to uh, Columbia and becoming the anchor of that Will Muschamp defense. And many believe he could be an interior disruptor in the Chris Jones mold. And Chris Jones was arguably the MVP of uh, Super Bowl uh, 54, um, according to many, even more so than Patrick Mahomes. Not to take anything away from Mahomes' fourth quarter comeback, but Jones was easily the most consistent performer on the Chiefs uh, in that game. But... Aside, Kinlaw's stats, however, were rather underwhelming, and Marcus Mosier, who was on the program in recent weeks to break down the wide receiver class, he did a study on defensive tackle prospects, and he noted that those at the position whose stats didn't match their traits in college have rarely succeeded at the pro level. Do you think Javon Kinlaw has a better chance than most to buck that trend? You know, I definitely think that Kinlaw has that chance to do so because I feel that his athletic abilities including his uh his acceleration off the snap and his overall uh athleticism i think that that uh could translate well to the next level but he also uses his hands pretty well i think that he's got a solid arsenal as a pass rusher uh he may not necessarily uh be polished as a run defender yet i don't think i think that he can still stand to uh bulk up a little bit and get more consistent in his pad level, but I think that he's got raw strength in his frame. He's got a really uh, muscular build and he's an athletic guy. So I think that, you know, off of his traits and the flashes that he's shown and how he uses his hands, I think that there's definitely upside there. And I think that uh, with NFL coaching, he can kind of tap into that untapped potential that he maybe necessarily didn't completely show at South Carolina. But I think that with a little bit more, refinement maybe a little more instincts uh and technique i think that he can uh match some of that potential that he has and uh be a solid producer at the next level 
Oh, I completely agree. And it was also uh, reported today by Benjamin Albright, a good friend of the pod at uh, 8, 850 KOA Radio in the Denver area, as well as of the Pro Football Network. Uh, he reported that the Atlanta Falcons top target at a potential trade-up that they were have been reported to be one of the teams most likely to trade up in the first round. He says that Kidlaw is their top target. And I could see a scenario where the Jaguars, should they like a Derek Brown, um, but think they could get him uh, at 16, which I think is very possible. They could trade down with Atlanta. Atlanta could get Kinlaw at nine, and Jaguars could still get Derek Brown at 16. You know, I think that would be uh, a realistic scenario for uh, the Falcons because we've seen that a lot of people have been predicting they would take a defensive tackle for years now, it seems like. Every year, uh, there seems like there's a defensive tackle being mocked to the Falcons, and it just doesn't happen. Uh, in those early rounds, I think that Javon Kinlaw could be a very good fit with what they've going on there. Place him alongside Grady Jarrett. I think they could definitely have something special there uh, as they're trying to build up that defense a little bit. I think that I, I don't know necessarily if I take him in the top 10, but if Atlanta truly feels that they have something special there and he can develop into a pro bowl, potentially all pro type of talent. I mean, and then I'd, you know, I'd recommend it if I were them. I don't, you know, I think he's a top 20, potentially top 15 player in this class, uh, but I don't think he's going to be available when Atlanta picks, I believe it's 16. Correct me if I'm wrong there. Yeah, uh, 16. Yeah. Yeah. So I think if they truly feel that strongly about Javon Kinlaw, then I could definitely see them trading up. Oh, yes. And uh, if the wide receivers are all gone by 15, uh, he could be uh, the uh, a top choice for the Broncos if the Broncos don't decide to move uh, down from that pick at that scenario unfolds. So the Falcons will probably have to trade up for um, to get Javon Kinlaw. And uh, another defensive tackle prospect that uh, a lot of people are high on is Ross Blacklock of TCU. He is somebody who I think could have sniffed the top 15 if it wasn't for an Achilles injury suffered in 2018. Like Javon Kinlaw, he is an absolutely freakish athletic interior pass rusher. If uh, Blacklaw could get stronger and clean up the uh, deficiencies in his technique, do you think he could end up being the best defensive tackle from this draft class? You know, I think it's possible simply because I think Blacklock uh, is a well-rounded player who brings a lot to the table. I don't think that he has any necessarily uh, gaping on the field uh Weaknesses. I mean, granted, like you said, his technique can improve a little bit, and he can get a little bit better at, uh, you know, having awareness and eating up gaps uh, as a run defender. But I do think he brings a lot of athleticism to the table. Uh, I like the frame that he brings. Also, I think that he's shown uh, some potential in how he uses his hands and, uh, you know, his flexibility in his lower body to stay low and get leverage like that. I think that he's got potential to be an impact starter at the next level and I could I, I could realistically see him uh being the best defensive tackle in this class. I don't know if it'll happen, but I think he's got a pretty solid chance. Uh and he's definitely uh one of the better defensive linemen in this class. And I wouldn't be surprised if he uh sneaks into the first round for sure. 
Oh, I wouldn't be surprised at all. And he is Jacob Infante, ladies and gentlemen. WindyCityGridire.com and The Draft Wire. You can follow him on Twitter at JacobInfante24. And now it's time to play one of my favorite games on this program. And it's called Buy or Sell. And this game, I'm going to mention a prospect that we haven't gone uh, in depth on. And uh, we will, you will tell us whether you buy or sell their long-term projection at the NFL. Starting with Yatur Gross Matos of Penn State. Buy or sell. Uh, I do think that Gross Matos has you know, tools. And I think that he's got, you know, some intriguing stuff to work with, but I'm going to have to go sell, uh, factoring in the, uh, how people view him for the most part. I think that, you know, he's an athletic guy. He's a lengthy guy. He's got a great frame and a lot of great physical tools, but I think he's a work in progress, uh, as far as how he uses hands, uh, his pad level and his overall play strength. I think that's still a work in progress. I feel that, you know, turning on the tape, uh, some of the plays that he makes uh, rely on him being completely unblocked in space. And while, you know, that's encouraging that he can move around in space like that, I do think that he's going to have to improve uh, taking blocks head on, uh, converting speed to power and, you know, improving uh, his power moves and uh, some of his counter moves as a pass rusher. So I'm going to have to go sell uh, given his current draft stock. I think that he's, you know, got a lot of room to grow but I don't think he's necessarily a huge impactful player for a defense from day one. Another edge prospect that could have been in the first round discussion had it not been for a troublesome injury history, Terrell Lewis from Alabama, buy or sell? Uh, Terrell Lewis, I think that has gone a little bit under the radar for the most part uh, as far as what his skill set brings to the table. I'm going to have to go buy with him. And yes, you did mention that He's got injury history, which is a bit concerning, but I do think that he's, you know, one of the best athletes at edge rusher in this class. Uh, and he's shown some polish in how he uses his hands. He can move around in space very well. He accelerates quickly off the snap. Uh, and he plays with a high motor too. So I think that, you know, all those things combined, I think that he would be a steal in the second round. I've seen some uh, mock drafts, picking him uh late in round one but for the most part it seems like the consensus on him is a second round prospect and i think as a second rounder i think he's good value i'm gonna have to go by with him and another guy who could hear his name called early day two is josh uche from michigan you mentioned him before buy or sell josh uche uh you know uche is a bit of a tough case because prior to the senior bowl i uh you know, I was watching uh, to see like what Senior Bowl prospects uh, caught my eye. I was trying to watch, you know, every Senior Bowl prospect I could, and Uche was one of the guys who stood out to me because a lot of people were projecting him as like a fourth round pick at the time. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I think that's actually really good value for him. But now that I've seen him rising up, you know, into the second round, I'm not so sure. You know, I think as much as it pains me to say. I think I'm going to have to go sell on him because even though I liked him uh, prior to when he blew up at the senior bowl and prior to, you know, combine pro day, all this stuff. Uh, I think that he's, you know, he's shorter for an edge rusher. He's a bit undersized. He doesn't bring that, you know, great length. Uh, and he doesn't really offer much as a run defender. I think that he's going to be solely, you know, a rotational pass rusher early on in his career until he, you know, bulks up a bit and learns how to, uh, you know, work through blocks to make tackles and run support and eat gaps. I think that Uche still got a long way to go in that regard. 
uh, the athletic traits are there, no doubt. I think, you know, he's up there with the best athletes uh, in this edge rusher class. But I think that as a second round pick, I'm going to have to go sell because, you know, if I'm looking in the second round, I personally, this is just a preference. I personally prefer looking for guys who can make a bit more of an impact right away. Uh, if you're looking late second round and you're a team that uh, can afford to use that early of a pick on a rotational pass rusher who can develop down the line, then sure. But if you're looking for a guy to make an impact on day one as a full-time starter, I don't think he's your guy. A very good sky report there as usual, Jacob. And Jabari Zuniga from Florida, buy or sell? You know, that's admittedly kind of tough on him because I do see some tools there. He's a, you know, overall solid athlete. And I like uh, the motor that he plays with, especially on rundowns. I'm going to have to go sell as of right now, just because I don't think that he's necessarily as great as his draft stock indicates right now. Uh, You know, a lot of people see him as a day two guy. I can see early day three and I don't hate his game by any means. I think that he brings, you know, a lot of interesting things to the table and I don't think he's necessarily uh, terrible in any particular area. I just don't feel like he outside of his motor. I don't think he is a true standout in any particular area. And I think that he's going to be a good player, uh, just not maybe a great player. So I'm going to have to go sell on him. I, you know, I like his skill set overall, uh, but it's not necessary. It doesn't necessarily stand out of the page to me. A guy from a smaller conference, Alex Highsmith of uh, University of Charlotte, the Charlotte 49ers, that is, buy or sell? Uh, Alex Highsmith, I think I'm going to go buy with him uh, because I don't know necessarily how high he's going to go. I could see a team or two fall in love with his traits and his uh, athletic ability and, you know, potentially reach on him. But I think as a general, like, you know, late day three, early round four guy, I think he's worth taking a chance on because he's, a, you know, a very athletic guy. Uh, he uses his hands well and he's been productive. Uh, so I'd have to go by with him. Again, he's another one of those guys that maybe won't be, you know, full-time starter early on in his career, might be better off as a rotational pass rusher early on in his career. But I do like the traits that he brings to the table, especially his speed off the snap. So I'd go by with him. Uh, maybe not as like a second round pick, but I don't think he'll be selected there. Uh, so if we're looking late day two, early day three, I think he'd be good value. And a small school edge rusher that uh, had a pretty good combine, Derek Tushka of North Dakota State. Buy or sell? Uh, you know, I think with Derek Tushka, I think you got to go buy, but only under specific circumstances. I think he's solely a 4-3 defensive end. I don't think he offers enough uh, as an athlete in space or dropping back into coverage. So I think... Uh, he wouldn't be necessarily a great fit in a three-fourth scheme. That said, if you're running a base fourth, if you're if you're running a base three-four, I'd say no to him. But if you're running a base four-three, then I do think that Tushka could be a good pick there because of the tenacity that he brings to the table, uh, his polish as a pass rusher in terms of how he uses his hands, the moves that he's got in his arsenal. So I'd say. 
by, but under very specific circumstances. Because I think he's got a very clear role at the next level, and I don't think that he's the type of guy that can be shoehorned anywhere and succeed. I think that things have to be right around him for him for uh, him to make an impact and be a good fit in a defense. Moving on to some more of these defensive tackle prospects, starting with Justin Matabuke of Texas A&M. Buy or sell? You know, I'm going to have to go buy with him simply because I think, you know, he brings a lot to the table in terms of his, you know, acceleration off the snap, the pop that he brings at the point of attack and his ability to eat up gaps as a run defender. I do like quite a bit in his game. I don't think he's necessarily terrible in any particular area. I think he's a well-rounded interior defensive lineman who can be a solid uh, early second round pick and, you know, step in right away and start and be solid and eventually, you know, develop into a bit more down the line. So I'm going to have to go by with Matt Abuke. Uh, you're familiar with this guy, your fellow Mizzou Tiger, Jordan Elliott, buy or sell? You know, it's probably going to hurt some of my Mizzou friends if they're watching this, but I'm going to have to say sell on him uh, simply because, you know, I've been able to go to, you know, all but one of the Mizzou home games this past year and as well as watching him on tape, you know, outside of that. So I'm... I feel pretty familiar with the skill set that he brings. And that said, I don't know necessarily if he's a guy I use an early pick on. I've seen some people mocking him in the second round, which I personally think is a bit of a reach. Yeah, I think he's, uh, I think he uses his hands well. And I think he's got a really good frame that has a lot of potential uh, in terms of the strength the raw strength that he brings, I just think that his technique is a bit of a work in progress. Uh, so I'd say sell with Jordan Elliott. I think he's another guy that needs a little bit of polishing before he can truly make an impact at the next level. Oh, very interesting analysis there. And it should it hurt some of your uh, Mizzou Tigers friends because uh, this uh, is no place for homerism, dare I say. And a guy who um, I think could provide tremendous value in as early as the third round, James Lynch out of Baylor. Buy or sell? I'm going to have to go buy with James Lynch. Uh, I think he's the type of guy he brings uh, a good uh, arsenal as a pass rusher in his game. He's got a good frame that has potential to potentially bulk up even more and add a bit more strength without sacrificing his conditioning and his overall athletic ability. And he is a good athlete for an interior defensive lineman. You know, he's played a bit of a hybrid uh, edge rusher uh, in interior defensive lineman role at Baylor. And I could see him uh, having some value. You could make him stand up every once in a while in certain packages and then have him in as like a five tech or a three tech in others. I do think that he's a bit of a work in progress as a run defender. Uh, but I do think that what he brings as a pass rushing interior defensive lineman is certainly intriguing, and I think that he's a guy that necessarily hasn't been talked about as much as he should be. Some uh, some mocks are still kind of putting him in like the fourth or fifth round. I, you know, like you said, I'd look at him in the third round definitely, uh, depending on how the board goes. Maybe as high as the late second. Granted that you know I have to have other guys uh, go ahead of him, but I do think that James Lynch is a solid late day two prospect, and I think that he hasn't been talked enough about so i'm gonna have to go with a buy for him yes and personally uh i would be almost surprised if he lasted past the panthers in round three because uh matt rule would love to be reunited with him 
Yeah, I think that that could definitely be in the cards. I mean, we've seen uh, what he's done with the coaching staff throwing in guys around him. And he added uh, Robbie Anderson, who he coached at uh, Temple there. So I think adding James Lynch could definitely help out with that familiarity and kind of aid his transition into the pros. I think that's definitely a possibility. Uh, I could also see someone like Denver falling in love with him, you know, because they uh, have some uh, holes in their interior defensive line. I think that Vic Fangio is the type of guy who would love to work with James Lynch's skill set and develop him and move him around in a bunch of different ways. So I think, you know, teams that we talk about uh, with Derek Brown earlier, uh, like the Panthers, potentially the Cardinals or the Broncos, I think that those guys could be good fits for James Lynch on round three. Oh, absolutely. And uh, with Vic Vaggio or the Broncos look at James Lynch, they'll probably see a guy with a lot of similar characteristics as a Derek Wolf, who was a mainstay on that Broncos defensive line for the past uh, eight seasons or so uh, until uh, he uh, recently rejoined, uh, signed with the Baltimore Ravens. So uh, Lynch could be an ideal long-term replacement for that role in that Denver defense. Completely agree. And if you like beef in the middle of your defensive line, Lecky Fotu out of Utah could be one of the best uh, values on early day three. Buy or sell? You know, I think I'm going to have to go sell with him. Uh, and I know a lot of people feel kind of high on him, but I don't necessarily, you know, that same sentiment with him simply because, well, I don't think his production uh, is very good as a pass rusher or in terms of his tackles for a loss. Uh, but I also think that he's very limited athletically. I mean, he times his uh, acceleration off the snap well, but he can't move around well in space. And while I think he's got uh, a big frame with you know, a lot of raw upper body strength. I think he can still improve a lot in his instincts as a run defender. And that's kind of preventing him from being, you know, this monstrous gap eating nose tackle that a lot of people claim that he is or claim that he can be. So while I think there, there's, there are tools to work with, with him, obviously with his size and his raw strength, uh, I do think his technique uh, and his instincts could use a bit of developing. So I'm going to have to go sell with him. A guy who could hear his name called early day two, the Canadian bulldozer, they call him. Neville Gallimore from Oklahoma. Buy or sell? I'm going to have to go with a large buy for Neville Gallimore simply because I think that he's, you know, an elite athlete for a defensive tackle. And I think that he brings plenty of pass rushing potential uh, to the next level. I think that he's uh, possibly a better run defender than some people give him credit for. That's not his forte, but I do think that uh, his athleticism, uh, his arsenal as a pass rusher, and just his overall explosiveness that he brings to the table. I think that's definitely, you know, intriguing. And he's a bit undersized, sure. But I think I feel pretty confident taking him late in round one. I feel pretty high on him. I could see him, you know, realistically falling to round two. But if I were an NFL GM and I was in that uh 25 to 32 range and I need an interior defensive lineman and Gallimore still on the board I definitely consider it I think he can be a very good player at the next level so I'm gonna have to go by for Neville Gallimore this guy was mocked to the Patriots at 23 by Dane Brugler the uh, lead NFL draft analyst for the athletic one of the best draft analysts and insiders in the business so we got to take this seriously Marlon Davidson from Auburn buy or sell uh, you know, 
the, the feeling I get with Marlon Davidson is kind of similar to what I had with LJ Collier coming out of TCU last year. A bunch, you know, people were intrigued by his ability to be an edge rusher and interior defensive lineman. I just didn't see it with Collier, and I don't see it with Marlon Davidson right now. I don't think he brings enough to the table. I think that, you know, they claim he can stand up as an edge rusher. I don't think he's necessarily athletic enough to do that. And people want to move him inside, which he's bulked up for. And I think that's where he'll play at the next level. But I don't necessarily think uh, he's developed and he's strong enough in his upper body yet. Uh, I think he's just a major work in progress as of this point. And I think that he's shown some potential in how he uses his hands. uh, And he's got pretty solid lower body strength. But I'm going to have to go sell with him. I think he's a mid-round prospect. And it would... It wouldn't shock me if he went in the first round just because I, you know, that's what the buzz has been about him. People have seen that he could go late in the first round. So I'm kind of expecting that at this point. But I, I, I disagree with that. I think that he's, you know, a guy I wouldn't really look at taking until late in the third round. So I'd have to go sell with him. I, you know, I see why some people like him. I just don't agree with it. So I'll go sell for Marlon Davidson. Uh, if you didn't like Lecky Futu in the middle of your defensive line, you might like this guy, Devon Hamilton from Ohio State, buy or sell. Oh, uh, Devon Hamilton, I think I'm going to go buy for him. Uh, I think he brings uh, some intriguing uh, natural like pad leverage. I think he can sink his hips well and stay low. I think he's explosive off the snap, and he's an intelligent gap eater as a run stopper. So I think that there's definitely uh, potential for him to grow. While I do think he can get a little bit stronger uh, and move around a little bit quicker in space, I think that he's got some potential to work with. Uh, I don't know necessarily how high he's going to go. I wouldn't mind him uh, early on day three. Uh, if we're looking at like the second round, I think that's a bit of a reach. Uh, but I, I'm well aware that his stock is climbing at the moment. So I... You know, I like what he brings to the table. I'd be a little cautious taking him uh, like early on day two and all that, but I think that he's got some tools to work with, so I'll go buy for him. And last but not least, at buy or sell, another guy who shined at the Senior Bowl along with Devon Hamilton was Jason Strobridge of North Carolina. Buy or sell? Uh, I think I'm going to have to go sell for Jason Strobridge. Uh, I do think that his you know, natural... This this frame is impressive, and I think he brings a uh, good length to the table. And I think he's he has a good frame that can potentially pack on some more pounds if they want to move him inside. Uh, I don't know necessarily. I don't think that there's a ton of uh, instincts that showed up on tape as a run defender. I think that his you know timing, his acceleration off the snap can improve a little bit, and I think he's. A decent athlete in space, but he's not necessarily stellar. Uh, I wouldn't mind him uh, on day three. I, you know, I'm still taking a look at my board right now and putting the finishing touches on that. But I'm probably, you know, project Strobridge to go uh, around the fifth or sixth round for me. You know, I think he, there's a strong chance he could go higher than that because people see his experience as an edge rusher and they're enticed with that as, you know, a lot of NFL teams can be at times. Uh, so I think he'll go higher than I ultimately project him at, 
but I, I'm going to have to sell with them. I just think that there's, you know, still a bit of work to be done with him. And I think that he's a developmental depth guy uh, at this point, unless he proves otherwise in the pros. Jacob Infante, it's been an absolute pleasure hearing your in-depth scouting reports on all of these amazing prospects, and we definitely hope to have you back on the program very, very soon. But before we let you go here, let's talk about the most ideal team fits for some of the top prospects that we discussed earlier. And this doesn't necessarily have to be where you think they'll go. It's where you want them to go. Starting with Chase Young, where would you love to see Chase Young the most? You know, I think Chase Young is going to go to Washington, and I think that'll be a great fit for him. I think that Chase Young and Montez Sweat are going to complement each other really well. Um, Young's a good athlete. Sweat's a great athlete. Young brings a little bit more uh, polish and power to the table. I think that they're going to work off of each other really well, and I'm expecting that to be the pick. So I'll go Washington for Chase Young. What about the best team fit for Kalevon Chasen? For Kalevon Chasen, I... I, you know, I would like to see him on the Falcons. I don't think that's going to happen, but I do think that would be a lot of fun to see uh, because I simply don't think he's going to be available that late. I have to think about this one a little bit. Uh, can we defer uh, Chasen and move on to another guy, and then I can think about that a little bit more and come up with a fit for him? Uh, actually, uh, the what you did was perfectly fine. The Falcons uh, are the best he fit. It doesn't mean that they, you think they will take it. Where do you want, where do you want to see them go is the object of this exercise here. So uh, Kaleva chase side of the Falcons is uh, definitely um, doable in this exercise. What about the best possible team fit for AJ Epinesa? You know, I actually did just think of one for Kaleva chase. And I think the New York jets would be a very good fit for him. Although I think they're going to go offense. Uh, Either tackle receiver there at 11. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm expecting. I'm thinking uh, potentially Jedrick Wills or C.D. Lamb. I think those are the two guys who have been tied to them a lot, and there have been reports that they like Henry Ruggs too. Uh, so I'm expecting them to go offense there, but I think Chasen's a good fit. As for Epinesa, I mentioned it earlier. I think the Patriots would be a very good fit for them, uh, for him rather, and I think that you know his power and his polish will be well suited well in that. Uh, in the scheme that the Patriots have right now, I think they can move him, you know, as a hand in the dirt edge rusher. And I think that that would be a very good fit for his uh, abilities. And I think that that would give the Patriots a well needed uh, presence off the edge, you know, after they lost both Jamie Collins and uh, Kyle Van Noy in free agency. So I think, you know, if the Patriots don't go with the quarterback in the first round, I think Epinesa will be a very strong choice. Uh, What about Derek Brown? Oh, with Derek Brown, I think as far as pure scheme fit, I think the Cardinals would be a good fit. Like you mentioned earlier, uh, that could be a potential landing spot for him if he doesn't uh, end up falling out of the top 10. Uh, I think that the Cardinals have a very big hole in their interior defensive line. I think that Derek Brown might not be the flashiest top 10 pick, but I think that he brings power and technique uh, to an interior defensive line, especially one that's as thin as Arizona's right now. So I'm going to have to go, even though I don't necessarily think they're going to go defensive line, I think they'll look for an offensive tackle instead. I think Derek Brown would be a good fit in Arizona. Oh, I think so as well. And uh, what about Javon Kinlaw outside the Falcons? What would be a great team fit for him? 
Uh, outside of the Falcons, I'm going to have to say the Jacksonville Jaguars because they uh, their defensive line has proven to be uh, depleting a little bit. It's not as nearly as strong as it used to be. And I think that, you know, with Calais Campbell gone now, I think they've got a really big hole along their defensive line. It wouldn't surprise me to see them take Kinlaw if they don't go for a guy like C.J. Henderson there or if someone like, you know, if Isaiah Simmons falls or, you know, somehow Jeff Okuda falls, uh, then I think that would be the move. But I think that Kinlaw could be very realistic as a pick for them. And I could see if the Jaguars have both Javon Kinlaw and Derek Brown available, I could see them taking Kinlaw over Brown. Yes, if they decide not to move uh, back from nine, uh, Kinlaw and C.J. Henderson are two players that have been tied the most to them, I personally believe. And last but not least, best possible team fit for Ross Blacklock. Uh, For Ross Blacklock, you know, I think that there are a handful of spots that stand out for him. One that I'm going to have to look at is probably the Minnesota Vikings uh, because they got rid of Linval Joseph and they still have uh, a hole at one of their starters defensive tackle spot so I think that Ross Blacklock would be a very good fit there especially since they have those two first round picks uh and granted they have other needs like receiver you know assuming that whole Odell Beckham Jr. rumor doesn't come true uh but as it stands right now receiver's a need for them cornerback is also a really big need uh if they like the value there I think Ross Blacklock would be a very good fit for them because they you know, run a base 4-3, and I think that's a good fit for Blacklock's uh, skill set. So I think that Minnesota, you know, although I'm not 100% sure they'll be willing to draft an interior defensive lineman that early, uh, because we know how much Minnesota loves uh, drafting cornerbacks, but I think that Blacklock could be, you know, a good fit for them uh, with one of their two first-round picks. Thank you very much once again, Jacob. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch. But we'll be back soon with our final pre-draft mock. And drum roll, please. Can I get a drum roll, Jacob? Sure. I am very excited to announce that on days one and two of the 2020 NFL Draft, I will be co-hosting a live stream with Bill Rossetti of the Panthers Wire and the Bengals Wire. We'll be analyzing each pick the moment it is made. Don't worry, folks. We will not spoil the fun and tip them before Roger Goodell announces them. And we'll also take your questions as the night unfolds. Like our Sports Crunch Facebook page and follow me on Instagram and Twitter at dcrom 59 for more info in the coming days. In addition, be sure to check out the episode archive as well as my blog at sportscrunch.com. And remember, that is Crunch with a K. And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sportscrunch so we can improve our iTunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome guests like Jacob. For Jacob Infante, this is David Cromwell saying so long, and of course, stay awesome, wash those hands, stay home, stay happy, and stay healthy. We'll see you next week, everybody. Take care.